All right. Uh, not too long ago. Okay. Man, I thought I turned it on. It says I'm, it's green. Testing one, two, three. It's green. It's on. Up here it is. Testing one, two, three. Hit that button and did it change? Praise the Lord. I think you're on the right track there. Testing one. I can talk louder. Praise the Lord. Usually it's my fault, guys, so they're usually right on it. It's usually me if it's off. Testing, one, two, three. Nice and green on this little dot. It's on lit. Uh, it wouldn't be green if I wasn't. It's just a battery. And it turns green when I turn it on if it's connected. So this rarely happens where it's green up here and something's gone over there. All right. Uh, you know what? I'll just talk louder, you know, for a little bit. I know we've got a huge podcast audience and uh, so forth. So I want to hope they're, I hope they're getting it. Is Tony around? Okay. Praise God. All right. So, any more praise reports, you know? Nick, praise report, brother. Praise God. Lord's doing a work at the rescue mission. Amen. Hey, Amen, bro. You should just come up here and preach for a while. You're sounding really good. <laughs> good word, bro. Amen. All right. Any other praise reports? Wow, this house is filling up on a Wednesday. That's good. Maybe we just wait a little longer and it'll get really full. Anybody else? Praise report. Something you want to give thanks to the Lord for. Mr. Cooper, he's resolved to be here no matter what. Tough day, but they survived the day and they made it to Bible study. Praise the Lord. Sometimes that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Amen. Diane? Um, I praise God for um, what Yeah. Yeah. Praise God for that. His word's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. It says, without a vision, my people go astray. So if we didn't have his word, we'd be going astray. And another scripture says, my children perish because of a lack of knowledge. So we don't have the knowledge of God's word. We're in trouble. So how thankful we are that we have his word. Praise the Lord. All right. Woo-hoo. Amen. That Otten button does awesome things when you hit it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what was it, Leonard? What's that? Okay, some blank, blankety, blankety, blankety switch. Didn't catch all of that, but it's technical jargon for hit the right switch. It's good to see everybody. Uh, we had our prayer time. You know what? We got up, I got up here especially early, 25 after, which is pretty early. And uh, so we had a lot of time for praise reports. And then uh, we didn't get sound, so it worked out. And, but it's, it's good to do that. That's one thing we've done more and more in the last couple of years is we've had prayer reports, you know, praise reports. And uh, sometimes we'll break off in little groups and have prayer time. And that's one thing I hope you learn through this whole COVID-19 thing is, is that you have to learn to seek the Lord on your own. Amen. And uh, when it comes down to it, it's a relationship that between us and the Lord that's vitally important. Amen. And I mean, who, who do you have if you don't have the Lord? Amen. So we've already had our prayer time, but Father, again, we pray that you bless our time in your word. It's your word, Lord, that you would by your spirit speak to our hearts and help us grow as we chew on the milk and the meat of your word. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. And wow, I'm glad we waited even longer, man. Got the sound going finally. It's really filling up. So I'll tell you what, guys, is uh, last, uh, was it last Wednesday or so, I did a message on the Great Commission, and we talked about the empowerment and so forth of the Holy Spirit, and God's desire to reach all the ethnic groups, all nations, because he loves all people, amen. Is that a message that the world really needs today? 
They love people from every nation, kingdom, you know, people group, tongue. It's such an important message. We Christians have the answer. God loves everyone, man. He wants everybody to know him. And Christ shed his blood for everyone. And if you would have seen Jesus on the cross dying for the world, you know, handed over by the Jews to the Gentiles, and then the, great, then the name King of the Jews, right, in three different languages. That was just God's way of saying to everybody, hey, here's the king. And what happened on the cross we call the atonement. The atonement is Christ's suffering on our behalf. Him bearing the penalty that we deserve. And there are many people that will posit a specific theory of the atonement. He died for this reason. Or he died for that reason. Or he died for this reason. And, or he died for that reason. And they'll sometimes debate each other and they'll say, no, he died for this reason. And one thing I found in those debates, and I'm never bashful to take a position when I see it being scriptural. This is something very fascinating to me regarding the debate on the atonement. Because when we preach the gospel, we preach Jesus Christ crucified for our sins, amen? Buried and, ro- rise, and he rose again on the third day, amen? And one of the fascinating things to me when I, and I've got books, you know, a bunch of books on the atonement and some books that have to do with guys debating with each other in, you know, whatever chapter, back and forth. And one thing I've always found fascinating about the atonement, it's one of those things that I can agree with pretty much almost, almost every position on the atonement. Because guess what? They're saying, no, it says this, and you're right. Guess what? It does say that. Like some will say, no, it says that, that you know, Jesus died to give us victory over the clutches of Satan. And yeah, it does say that. It talks about how uh, through his death, you know, that he set us free from death and the one who has the power over death, Satan. And Jesus came, he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And Jesus said he has the keys of Hades and death, amen? And others say, well, no, he, he died because he wanted to satisfy, he had to satisfy the, the, the wrath of God. Well, that's true too. Oh, he died to show what, how much God loves us. Is that true? That's true too. can show you First John, you know. It says very clearly more than once, you know, that he, he died and that through his death on the cross as a sacrifice, God shows his love. Oh, no, he died as a moral influence to influence us to be selfless. That since he died for us, we ought to also no longer live for ourselves, but, you know, consider the interests of others. Well, that's true too. No, he died as a penal substitution, a vicarious atonement. He died in our place and took the judgment that we deserved. Absolutely. He bore the stroke that we were due. Amen. And it's just so funny because I'm like, wait, this is one of those things you guys shouldn't be debating with most of you anyways, you should just all be affirming that these are all true. So I have what's called the, the kaleidosco- kaleidoscopic view. It's like a kaleidoscope. You know, there's, all these are fragments and realities and all true of the atonement. That's not true of a lot of doctrines when you're debating. You can't be pre-trib and post-trib, you know. Or, you know what I'm saying? You can't, you know, believe, oh, infant baptism, no adult baptism. Oh, I believe in both. No, it's one or the other, you know. But it's interesting because... Christ's atonement is so rich. And I find that to be probably my most fascinating thing to study through the years off and on is just what Jesus did on the cross and pictures of the cross. If you've been at Blessed Hope anytime long, we've had a lot of studies on typologies or pictures of the cross in the Old Testament. Uh, we talk about that a lot. Whether it's Isaac, you know, carrying the wood up the hill or, you know, Mount Moriah or so forth. The, the atonement to me, the Passover picture of the blood that's in the form of a cross in the book of Exodus where the death angel would pass over the house that had the blood from the lamb, which is a picture of Jesus. Just so rich. But it's one thing, and, and we could just be stupefied, dumbfounded by the beauty of the atonement, and we should be. But there comes a point where we need to surely sh- uh, share the simple gospel with people that Jesus died for your sins. So you could be saved, amen? And we need to preach the atonement. And atonement, A-T-O-N-E-M-E-N-T, uh, you could break it down at one mint, you know? And by the way, the English word at one mint is an effect of the atonement. We become reconciled or one with God at one mint. But the Hebrew words and the Greek words that typically speak of atonement, they don't use, that's not really accurate translation of what Jesus did on the cross. But he did die to reconcile us to the Father. He did redeem us. He did buy us. You know, oh, the atonement's a ransom. He paid, he gave himself a ransom. 
you know, to, to pay for us. Yeah, that's true too. Those are all true realities. But if you're saved, I did a message some time ago, you know, why are we still here? You know, and I gave three reasons. And we really camped out on one reason so far. I'm going to have two more messages on that. And this isn't one, even though this dovetails with one of the answers. And I asked the question, why did God, we're saved. Why did God just take us home now? It's a terrible world we live in, right? And I gave you three answers. And one was, to, one reason he leaves us here is to make us more like Jesus, amen? To become more Christ-like. And to be conformed to the image of Christ. He used the trials that we go through to shape us where we cry out to him and we become more like our Lord. And that's so important that you keep that in mind. You know, it's funny because Diane was bringing up uh, just the crazy world we live in before we actually went on and we were all chatting, we were chatting too and, and I was saying, you know, yeah, we're talking about how it is crazy but the scriptures say, you know, my children perish because of lack of knowledge. Another scripture says, because uh, without a vision or a prophetic vision, Literally, my, my people go astray. We need to know what the Lord's vision is for our life so we can know how to live, amen? And when you realize that one reason we're still here is because he uses the trials, the things that we go through, as sandpaper in our lives, and he's making us like gold, amen? And, I, you know, we'll get into that another time in more depth when I go through the other two answers. Uh, the other reason is to test us, to test our faith to see if we'll remain, lo remain loyal to him through testing. In fact, I'm getting ready for a little series. I've been working on a lot of little series. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to have time to preach them all. But, uh, and it's just how God tests us. And I did a little series on that years ago. I think one time I did a series on that, like, you know, 20 years ago or something like that. And that's something that you don't see a lot talked about, how we're being tested to see if we remain loyal to the Lord. You don't hear it talked about that's one of the two, three reasons he left us here. Another reason he left us here is because we are his what? Starts with an A. We're his ambassadors, amen? We represent the king of kings in a foreign land, amen? And we're supposed to fulfill the great commission. And you know, you have the perfect right. If you are a Christian and you're actually sharing the gospel with people, that means share with everybody you see, but it means that you're sharing. And somebody says, what do you do? You can say, rightfully, oh, I'm an ambassador. I don't care how old you are. You know, you're an ambassador, right? You guys, I know you kids share right up front right here. And I know you kids share, too. These young people, we got all these awesome young people that in this fellowship that are awesome. You guys can say, I'm an ambassador. How old are you? What do you mean you're an ambassador? I'm an ambassador. Well, oh, you're an amb ambassador for Jesus. Oh, for Jesus, that doesn't count. Doesn't count? He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Let me exercise my ambassadorship right now. Tell you who I serve, amen. And how his kingdom is gonna rule over all the kingdoms of the earth, amen. So we have this incredible privilege. And last time I talked to you about that, I got into what an ambassador does and so forth. So I'm not gonna get into that. I'm gonna, I thought, you know what I wanna do today? I wanna look at some things that Jesus said in regard to sending his disciples out that should really encourage us. Because I thought, well, there's, a, there's certain elements. I've, so I was going through different passages where he, when he's talking about going, sending them out and so forth. And I thought there's certain features in these passages that have some common denominators that I think can, we can really be encouraged by as we share the gospel with others, right? And in Matthew chapter 24, you, uh, you can go there. It's pretty uh, powerful passage and it talks about the birth pains and then the tribulation period itself. And we're not going to spend a lot of time there because I just want to focus more on the Great Commission. But Jesus says in verse 8, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. And we're going, have you noticed some birth pains going on lately in the world? Things we're going through right now. Plagues, right? Ethnic group against ethnic group, as Jesus just alliterated there. Uh, lawlessness increasing, Amen lovelessness increasing. All those four things are, those four things are right there. He said, be like birth pains. In other words, they'll get more intense, then they'll let up, but then they'll get more intense again, and they'll keep getting more and more intense until the very end of the tribulation hits. And it's getting crazy. Verse nine, then they will deliver you to tribulation. And he's talking to, and I try to remind people, the context here, you don't see the church being taken out. He's talking to his elect apostles, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, if you go to Mark 13. 
He's telling them, hey, if, if they should live long enough, they'll deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you'll be hated by all nations because of me, my name. Why would Christians, why would we be hated by all nations because of his name? Christians are the nicest people in the world. They're taught to turn the cheek, other cheek. They're taught to go the extra mile. They're taught to love their enemies. I'm talking about true Christians who really follow Christ. Yet you'll be hated by all the world, all the nations because of my name. Remember, they crucified our Lord, amen? And he was the most, he was the kindest, most loving, most wonderful person to ever exist. Verse 10, at that time many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. So there's going to be a falling away and it's going to be a lot of hatred among professing believers who fall away. This is a powerful warning. Do not get caught up in the world's attitude toward everything that's going on. I'm telling you right now, if you plug yourself into the politics, if you plug yourself into, you know, right, left, right, left, back and forth, and you leave Jesus out of the equation, you're going to get really frustrated, really ticked off, going to get an ulcer or something like that. Blow a gasket. Don't let it happen. Stay in your prayer closet. Keep your love light on, man. Stay close to Jesus at this time. Amen? Because the world's going nuts right now. We need to stay close to our Lord. Amen? And I'm not saying you can't listen to commentators and pundits and talking heads and so forth, but don't let that be your steady diet. Let Jesus be your steady diet. Amen? You want to be informed, but also be very careful. You don't, there's a lot of weird, sensational, you know, conspiracy theories that people get on and then some time goes by, they look crazy. Because, I mean, for three years, for three years, MSNBC and CNN were telling us there was collusion between Trump and what? And Russia. That's the narrative. We've already talked about it, but I'm not going to say much about it. But for three years, that's all they talked about. Made their major space on their, it was this collusion, then it was proven to be a lie. You got to be really careful you didn't get caught up in all the weirdness, man. And you, get, and you stick to Jesus, Amen. Now, he states that there's going to be a time when it's going to get really ugly. Verse 11, many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. So be very careful. Verse 12, because lawlessness has increased, most people's love will grow cold. Not some, but most people's love will grow cold. That's why I said, man, keep your love light lit. Stay close to Jesus. Verse 13, but the one who what? Endures to the end, will be sa- he will be saved. Does it say, but the one who comes up to the altar call, he'll be saved? Ha. <laughs> To say the one that's baptized, he'll be saved? No, the one who what? Endures to the end. Now, if you come up at an altar call and you sincerely come to Jesus, you're saved, amen? But final salvation is for those who persevere to the end. Thus saith Jesus. Verse 14. The, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world. I love this, man. This gospel, euangelion, the good news of the kingdom, shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then what? The end will come. So in the midst, and I bring you to this passage to show you that as we get closer and closer and closer to the end, it's going to get uglier and uglier and uglier and harder in some parts of the world and many parts of the world and really hard during the tribulation period to preach the gospel. So we know there's going to be hard times ahead and we have to count the cost. You know, that's why so many people feel called to Hawaii to minister. Yeah, I feel calling on God's life. He wants me to really lay my life down and really sacrifice. Oh, where do you feel he's calling you? Hawaii. He wants to give me a beach ministry. You know? Oh, really? Well, yeah, somebody has to do it. Yeah, you know? So it's just, and I'm not saying God doesn't call. Someone's got to do it. Somebody's right, but too many people think they're the ones to do the Hawaii trip, you know? That they're called to Hawaii. You know how many people thought they're one of the two witnesses? There's probably thousands of people who thought they're one of the two witnesses. Many with good intentions, but guess what? There can only be two witnesses, you know? So you've got to be really, really careful. And if you can sincerely seek the Lord and so forth, he'll reveal to you what his plan for you. You'll be very fruitful in your life. Now, it's interesting because things are going to get really ugly. And then he talks about, therefore, when you, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, if you guys are alive, when you see the plural pronoun, the word you, if when you see the abomination of desolation, which is spoken of through Daniel, the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. He talks about fleeing to the mountains and so forth. Because that's now he's, now he's 
explicating what it means to be handed over to tribulation, which he mentioned a few verses earlier. Then he's saying, then he's talking about this is when it's going to hit. But the birth pains go until that time. And when the Antichrist appears, it's going to be really, really hard to witness because that's when even the guys in Hawaii will, be, will realize they don't have a beach calling, they have a prison ministry because Jesus says those who are to, will go into captivity will go into captivity, Revelation 13, 8. Right around verse, I think around 8 through 10. Those who are to go into captivity will go into captivity. Those who are to be killed with the sword will be killed with the sword. Ministry can be really tough. I was talking to my son Josiah, and he's about ministry today, and he's talking about, you know, going to the mission field and so forth, and, and uh, a mission ministry he feels the Lord's been put on his heart, and to just help people go on missions with him and so forth. And he's talking about, you know, it's going to be awesome and so forth. And I said, and you could lose your head. He goes, Dad, you know, why do you have to put a damper on what I'm talking about? No, that's not Josiah. He goes, yep, amen, whatever God has for me. Something like that. He was like, yeah. Amen, whatever. And that's Josiah. He can be pretty fearless. Uh, but I pray he's fearless when the chips are down, if he has to be. But does that mean we just go straight on into danger and not use wisdom? No, Jesus gave us a lot of interesting instructions I want to talk about. He does talk about going into danger, but he talked about being as wise while we do things and while we witness. And, and since I, I've, been, I've been kind of meditating upon this because I'm like, Lord, it's getting darker. And we've got this great commission. And Christians are going to be more and more marginalized. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. So I said, Lord, give me a really practical message to really encourage my brothers and sisters as to when it's getting darker, what your instructions are as to how to respond and, and so forth. So it's interesting. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Well, you know what? Before you do that, since you're in Matthew, go to chapter 28. This one's very famous, and you hear me quote it sometimes. But since we're there, let's read it. Because it's some encouragement right here. This is just before Jesus ascends to heaven. He, and Jesus came and spoke to them all. This is after the resurrection. Saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Now, interesting. When he's telling them to go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And by the way, go therefore in the Greek is when you are going. Talked about that last time. Okay. The imperative is make disciples. So he expects us to be going. If you're a Christian, he expects you to be going. Even if you're not going, what do you mean? Well, you're already on the uttermost parts of the earth if you're right here in California, amen, compared to where he gave them the Great Commission Jerusalem. You're on the mission field. So don't think sometimes, yeah, one day I'm going to go on the mission field. You are on the mission field, even if you're in Jerusalem listening, in Judea, Samaria. Why? Because it's all the mission field, Amen. And I wish we could recognize we're ambassadors, all of us, and we're on the mission field right now. Amen. Lord, help us to understand that. And there's lost people all around us. Now, if everybody you know is saved, you know, school, work, the grocery store, everybody's like, praise the Lord, Jesus is awesome, you know, then maybe you're not on the mission field anymore. I'm sure you can find a backslider eventually. But we don't live in a world like that because few go through the narrow gate. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many go that way. So we, got, we have the mission field all around us. Don't wait till you get to the mission field because you are on the mission field. Amen. And you are already ambassadors. Amen. I'm excited about this fellowship because so many people witness in this fellowship and they share the faith, you know. And pray the Lord to help us be bolder because right now people are way more open than they're going to be in the future. Take advantage of it. Amen. So in Matthew 28, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love that because they asked him, what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And he takes them through all these horrific ordeals and says, the gospel kingdom will be preached in all the worlds and witness all the nations. Then the end will come and it's just going to be horrible. We'll give, uh, hand you over to tribulation and so forth. But guess what? He says, I'm with you always, even in any age. I'm with you. Amen? Like the Lord was with Daniel in the lion's den. Amen? Like he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? Who is that fourth person in there? It's the Lord. You know, he's with us. When it gets ugly, he's, he's there. He's the beauty and the ugliness. Amen? When it's really dark, he's the light in the darkness. Amen? He's our ship of faith in the deep waters. He's always there. Now, it's interesting because back up to verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying what? 
All authority is, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Put that with, Lord, I'm with you always in the age. So the most powerful being in the universe, the creator of all things, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has all power, is the one who's with us. Amen? And that doesn't mean you're invincible in the sense of not dying, but it does mean that you're invincible spiritually if you're in him. Because neither height nor depth nor principality or power or any other created thing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. If you are abiding in Christ, your faith is in Jesus, right? No one can snatch you out of his hands, amen? The Father and Jesus are greater than all. So you have this secure, you're in this secure place because your faith is in Christ. If you're trusting Jesus, right? And you guys, you have to, do you realize who's with you? The creator of the universe. And I just think it's super special that when we're serving Jesus and we're praying to be used by him, we're praying for divine appointments and do pray for divine appointments. Because I've never seen God let me down when I pray, God, give me a divine appointment. Because I, I, you know, now I'm pastoring full time and I have divine appointments, it seems like, all the time for many, many years. You know? I still pray for divine appointments when I go witnessing, though. And it's been inevitable that somebody comes in my path and I'll be like, whoa, that was crazy talk. You know? I remember I was in Costa Rica and we were doing a lot of street, street preaching, you know? And, and just sharing the gospel and so forth. And I remember we were driving down the freeway and I was a little discouraged, thinking, man, Lord, usually we see a bunch of people come to you. And I'm like, please, you know, put someone in my path that will understand and appreciate the gospel. Not that people weren't, but I just wanted to see more. And literally, we went to this park, and right after we got out of the vehicle, I saw a guy on the bench, and I went and talked to him. I go, hey. And I started telling him that God created him, and that he, and, and that he gave himself for him, and so forth. And, and, I, and I told him I prayed for divine appointments. You know what he shared with me? He goes, wow. I was just going over 100 miles an hour. I think he said kilometers you know, 100 and some kilometers an hour on the freeway, wanting to die. I was thinking of just crashing my car because my girlfriend broke up with me and I thought I have no purpose in life. And then I, I just thought, no, don't do it. Something told me, just go to this park. I go, hey, I'm visiting from California praying that God would show me someone to talk to. Think how powerful that must be for him, right? That's pretty powerful. He tripped out. I go, and I prayed that God put the right person in my path. So I think he led both of us to this park. He's like, Zh. And I shared the Lord with him, and, he, and, you know, whoever calls upon the Lord shall be saved. And he cried out to the Lord for salvation, you know. So it's important to pray that God would use us and recognize that Jesus is with us. It's not something we just robotically go and do and the, let the chips fall where they may. No, he is with us, and he wants to guide us. He wants to guide people to us, amen. And his power is there. And I've seen it in ministry a lot of times. You know, oh, Lord, I've got to deal with this situation. I need your strength. Bam, I'm like, wow, he sure worked that out. And, you know, a lot of times the average pastor, two years, I've read in the past, I don't know the exact numbers, I've heard, read two years. It's like two years, that, wow, burnout or whatever. A lot of reasons, you know. But it's by the grace of God. You have to depend on God's grace every day. Now, now please go to Matthew 10. Made it kind of easy at first as far as going to books because a lot of the passages I want to look at were in Matthew, and I thought, well, that makes it a lot easier. And go to Matthew chapter 10, and go ahead and pick it up around uh, verse 16. Now, it's interesting. Verse 16, behold, I send you out as sheep, he's telling his disciples, in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents. Be shrewd or wise as serpents. That's how we usually hear it, King James. And innocent as doves. Wow. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them, to the Gentiles. Now this is really heavy because he tells us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, Right? But he also says in verse 16, I send you out as what? Sheep in the midst of wolves. Isn't that kind of an interesting picture? Because you don't usually think of sheep going to the wolves. You usually think of the wolves going where? To the sheep. Jesus was the master of word pictures. It's like, well, that's interesting. The sheep don't go among the wolves and say, hey, here we are. Want to brawl? You know, it's like they're like defenseless. But we have the good shepherd and all power in heaven and earth is given unto him and he's with us. Amen. 
So I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. And wolves are interesting creatures. Right now there's like this. They're fallen. They're beautiful creatures. They're, God created wolves. And you read the wolf and the lion and the lamb and we'll all lay down together, right? But wolves can be pretty terrifying. They're predatory animals. And right now it's like you'll read these things. Oh, wolves never eat. They'll kill more than they can eat. Untrue. I remember years and years ago, because that's, that's the wolf thing right now, reason the wolves, right? And I'm like, I remember watching a documentary years and years ago, and they were talking to a farmer, and a couple wolves came over, he's thinking it was at least one, came over and killed some of his sheep. It didn't eat hardly any of them. You know why? Killed 35 of his sheep, just went on a killing spree. And I'm like, wow, that's more like a wicked human being, serial killer wolves, you know? Jesus sends us as sheep among wolves, you know? And... Uh, <laughs> only he could do that. Because keep in mind, we're called to be innocent, harmless as doves. We're not called to retaliate. So that's the idea of being harmless as doves. We're not supposed to retaliate and bring guns and say, turn to Jesus. You know, we're not like crusaders, you know, forcing Christianity on people. If they don't listen, Jesus said, wipe the dust off your feet and go to the next house, right? We come in love. We just invite people to, we're saying, hey, our king's coming. He's bringing his kingdom. And he's, he's a powerful king, and he's going to, you know, claim what's his. But you need to get right with him. But we're supposed to be, he goes on to say, be, you know, wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. One thing about snakes, how many don't like snakes? Raise your hand. Be honest, don't like snakes. You're like, ah. Okay, you're, if you're a guy, you can raise your hand. It's no, no problem. Okay. How many like snakes? Raise your hands. Barbecued? Yeah, somebody likes them barbecued. I've had barbecued alligator at Sonny's house before. Not barbecue. Was it barbecued? I cooked alligator over there. 100-year egg, Filipino style. You know, different things. Sonny's quite the cook. So is Annie, by the way. If you guys are ever hungry and you're like, where can I go? Let's go over to their house. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting because snakes have a way of getting wise as snakes. They have a way. People don't like snakes. They like to kill them. They're afraid of them. And the Christians aren't going to be liked, right? But they have a way of getting in areas. I remember one of our pet snakes one time uh, got loose, and it was loose for some time. And, yeah, I bring snakes home. I even bring rattlesnakes home, but I don't do that anymore. Got a letter from a brother who's a fireman saying, Joe, that's illegal, you know. I brought one up on stage one time. I wasn't handling it. Look at this. That's ridiculous. That's like false junk. But I had it up here and was pointed out that more people die of sexually transmitted diseases by far every year than rattlesnakes. But you'd never sleep with a rattlesnake, right? So why would you sleep with someone you're not married with, you know? And every time I pointed at this thing, because there was no cover on this plastic thing I had, you hear this, because of my warmth from my hand. And he'd be like, and then they kicked, people came up afterwards, does, does Lenny have some kind of thing? And he's just making a sound? There's no rattlesnake in there. He'd be like, whoa, there is. I'm like, yeah, there is, you know? And one guy, man, he wasn't responding to church discipline, so I kicked it over when he was there. No, I didn't do that, you know. <laughs> but rattlesnakes are, you know, scary, right? I'm not a big fan of rattlesnakes, you know. I've eaten some hiking and camping and stuff. And they taste good when you're camping. When you bring them home and cook them, not so good. But anyway, uh, it's like trout. When you catch a trout and you're camping, it's so good. You bring it home, put it in the freezer, bring it out three weeks later. It's like, why did I do that? But anyway... Guys, gals, it's important that we as Christians know to get areas. And that's when we lost that snake. We didn't find it for some time. And then we found a little bit of snake excrement on a countertop thing under top of an entertainment center. And my wife's like, she's cleaning. She's like, look at this. And we're like, how in the world did that thing get up there? And all we could think is it wound itself around the cord and came up to the top and then left. And later on, we found that thing, you know. But they're able to get in areas you wouldn't think they could get. And as Christians, Christians are constantly smuggling Bibles into lands where they're illegal. China, a smuggling operation had been going on for decades, you know. Now they claim to be letting some Bibles in, but they don't let you preach the Bible uh, if you're evangelizing. That's why many churches just recently have been destroyed, uh, underground churches and so forth. Oh, oh, no, they have a state church. You're allowed to, share the, you're allowed to preach. If you go to state church, yeah. And, and say what, they'll let you say certain things, but they won't let you evangelize outside that church. And the state church has to be in conformity with communism and not speak against the communist uh, regime there. So it's interesting. We need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So he's giving us instruction. 
In other words, since you're going to be a lamb and you're going to be among wolves, and Jojo, you need to listen to this part. So you're going to be doing more and more missions. Is since you be a lamb among or sheep among wolves, it says what? Be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. In other words, because you're going among very, very fierce spiritual forces as well, right? And human forces used by those demonic forces, you have to use wisdom and be prayerful about making the right decisions where you go, when you go, and being watchful unto prayer. I love that. Sometimes you read the scripture, be watchful unto prayer. And I, I look at that as praying with one eye open. That's cheating, isn't it? No. What does it ever say to even close your eyes when you pray? Did you ever see that scripture? I have never seen that verse. But everybody acts like that's what you got to do. Oh, he had his eyes open. You know, he had one eye open. That's weird. You know, and it's just, you know, I think that happened because I'm a dad and I'm a grandpa too. So I think that happened when it was like kids, you're praying and their eyes are open at first. Hey, kids, they're all looking at each other, making faces. Shut your eyes. It worked. Wow. It just caught on. I don't know how it started, but I can envision that, you know, at a dinner table somewhere, right? But it's interesting when you think about this is we need to be watchful into prayer, wise, prayerful, but watchful, because a lot of things can sneak up on you. COVID-19 snuck up on the country, right? These, uh, these hard times race-wise snuck up on the country. We didn't expect either of these things back-to-back coming in such harsh ways. You never know what's going to happen in your own personal life either, and you want to make sure you make the right responses and don't overreact and that you glorify the Lord in your responses and that you're prayerful. So when you're sharing the gospel, it's important to be praying about where you're going, who you're going to be around, and not just think it's going to be a carefree time where everything's going to be fine because there is a spiritual war. And if you're sharing the gospel, the enemy is arrayed against you. The good thing is greater is he that's in us and he that's in the world. And I'm with you always to the end of the age. And, and all power and authority, and authority is, or all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. We can rest in those scriptures, but we need to appropriate his authority and power through being submissive to him and saying, Lord, you guide me. Lord, you bring the divine appointments. Lord, you bring the fruit. And we can all be doing that. We should all be doing that in our lives as Christians. Each and every one of us should always be praying, Lord, help me to, be, to, to, to shine the light. Because Jesus tells us, all of us as Christians are light in the world, the Bible says. In Philippians chapter 2, it talks about letting your light shine. And your light, you know, uh, it talks about in a, amidst a crooked and perverse generation that we shine as lights. And remember, Jesus said, what did he say? I am the light of the world. He that follows me will not walk in darkness, will have the light of life, right? But then what did he tell his own disciples? You are the light of the world, right? A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. But a, a man doesn't hide a, a lamp under a bushel, puts on a lamp stand so everybody can see, right? And then Jesus said, do your good works in such a way that men can see them and glorify your Father which is in heaven, amen? So we need to let our light shine. And he said, you're the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it stays in the shaker and you never shake that shaker? I'm not saying Jesus said that part, but put it with the light part, right? We got to get the salt out of the shaker, Amen? Wouldn't it be a bummer if, you know, you were, you were allowed to eat salt and you knew how good it was? But for some reason, you just never grabbed the shaker and put salt on your food. And you could do it for years, but you just never salted your food. You know, and how many people, worse, sad, never testify about Jesus? And just like the food's not affected, souls aren't affected because they just keep the light in, hide it. They don't let the salt out. Let's not do that. Let's make sure our lives count. Amen. Make your life count for Jesus. Don't stand before him and him, him ask you, why didn't you do anything for me? You know? This is very, very important. So when you pick it up again, then you look at verse 18, you know, he says, and you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. I love that. And to the Gentiles. Isn't that cool? In other words, this is prophetic, by the way. Because they were just going among the Jews at first in Matthew 10. But he's letting them know in the future they're going to be going among the Gentiles. And that happened after his resurrection. And now, guess what? How many of us are Gentile believers? This shows you how prophetic Jesus is here and elsewhere. Because he's, he's the Son of God. Verse 19. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say. For it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your Father who speaks in you. 
Now, brothers and sisters, how powerful is that? I'm with you always, right? All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And now he says, don't freak out about what you're going to say. How many, when you go share the gospel, you're like freaked out? Like, I don't know what I'm going to say. I brought so many people witnessing through the years who are concerned about what they're going to say. And like, I don't know. And I just say, come, just come and watch. And you know what? It's kind of a, a, a nice, good trick. I'll tell you why. And it's a trick in a good way. I, and I say, you don't have to say anything. Just come and watch. And I usually will tell them, because it's what happens. Once you see people sharing, you're going to want to start sharing. And that happens. How many, the first time you went witnessing, you thought you might not share much, but you end up sharing? Raise your hand. All these hands go up. It's just the way it is, you know. And I know because you know what happens? All of us are a little bit different. And we all have different fingerprints physically, but we all have different fingerprints spiritually. You have a contribution to make in sharing the gospel. That's unique. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, four gospel accounts, amen. Are they all the same? No, they're all different, but the same. And guess what? We have the same gospel, but we express it in different ways. So what happens is when you hear someone sharing it, you're like, oh, share this. Why didn't I share this? And then you're like, then you just start sharing it or you find someone else you're gonna share it with. And it's just kind of neat how that works. And God's made us differently to compliment one another. You know, you don't want to go around thinking, I share it the best way. No, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They all shared it the best way God had them share it, you know. But you share the same gospel. And you just, we compliment and encourage one another in our sharing of the gospel. So I just think that's quite beautiful. Verse 21, and by the way, there's the power of the Spirit again, guys. The power, God's with us. The Holy Spirit will speak through you. Verse 21, brother will betray brother to death and father his child and children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. You'll be hated by all because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Verse 22. Oh, that sounds familiar. We read that in Matthew 24 as well. People don't like that truth, but it's the, if you're going to preach Jesus and preach the whole counsel of God, you've got to preach that. Verse 23. But whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you that you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. And you know all of Israel has still not been preached to? You know, some areas where you can't even preach the gospel to this day in Israel or you'll be stoned, you know? Uh, it's kind of interesting. Now, it's also interesting. Read verse, go to verse 28 now. Verse 28. Do not fear those who can kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, when you're preaching the gospel, when you're living your life, when you're shining the light of Christ, don't fear man more than God. Amen. You'll just regret that. The Bible says the fear of man is a snare. The Apostle Paul said, am I your enemy because I told you the truth? And Paul said, if I sought to please man, I would not preach the gospel. Okay, you can't preach the gospel and, because there's going to be division. The gospel is going to bring division. But look what he says here. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? Pretty cheap. And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. I love that Jesus rejoins this with this promise. After he says, don't fear man who can destroy the body, but fear God who can destroy body and soul in hell. Whoo, wow. In other words, guess what? When you're preaching, don't compromise and don't fear man. But guess what? Two sparrows are sold for a cent. And not one of them fall to the ground apart from your father. What's his point? Because not only does the father love you, not only does he care deeply for you, not only does he watch over you, not only is all authority and given you know, to him, not only is he with you always to the end of the age, but guess what? He cares for the little sparrows that are worth nothing. They're like one of the smallest birds on the list of orientology when you study birds. Yet guess what? He cares so much about them. But he says he cares more about us. So when you're on the mission field, if you were to die on the mission field, guess what? The father cares about the sparrows that die. How much more does he care about you? He's with you. He'll bring you into his presence. Amen. Remember Stephen? What happened to Stephen when he was stoned to death at Acts chapter 7? What did Jesus do at Acts chapter 7 when Stephen got stoned to death? He stood up at the right hand of the father. Ooh, what's going on there? I think a lot. I think he's showing concern for Stephen. In the book of Revelation, he talks about by name his faithful servant Antipas who was martyred. He talks, calls him by name. He knows the names of the martyrs. He knows the names of all the saints. But Stephen, he stands up 
And also, I love it because Jesus said, if you confess me right here in Matthew 10, I'm not going to the passage, I don't think, but if you confess me before the Father, I'll confess you before, or before people, I'll confess you before my Father. So the confidence you have is that you have to see him, you have to see the Lord. Because if you get fixated on the physical world and your physical life and you save your life, you'll lose it. But if you recognize, you, and I always pray, Lord, help my faith grow. I pray that frequently. And I pray, Lord, help me to see you. And help me to fear you. And help me when the chips are down to put you first and decide for you always. Because I'm not the kind of person who's going to think, I've arrived. I'm super Christian and I would never give in. Because I see Peter give in who came to that conclusion about himself and he fell radically. So that's a, I go, ooh, that's heavy, man. So don't watch out for that. He, Paul said, the apostle Paul said, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he what? Lest he fall. You want to pay attention. So you want to be prayerful. You want to learn from these things. And you want to, why is Jesus saying these things? Look at verse 30. But the very hairs on your head are all what? They're all numbered. So do not, do not fear. You are more valuable than what? Many sparrows. You're so valuable to him. Every hair on your head is numbered. That means Jesus knows you, the Father knows you, better than if you're married, your spouse knows you. If you're not married and you have hair, how many can tell me exactly how many hairs you have on your head? And if you don't have any hair on your head, you got arm hair or some armpit hair, unless you shave it, you got leg hair or whatever, you know. How many of you know how many hairs are on your head, body, whatever? Nobody. Jesus does. He knows you better than yourself. And why does he know these details? Because he made us and he cares about us. And our parts, it says, are numbered by him in Psalm 139. Amen? That's heavy when you think about it. So we have this incredible God that is so in love with us that he becomes a man and dies for us, gives himself for us. And how much more does it say in Romans, will he not give us all things? He cares about us. So when you're on the mission field, you need to rest in that. The Lord cares about me. The Lord loves me. Whatever happens to me, whatever he allows, he cares deeply about me. Amen? Is this encouraging? Jesus' words are so encouraging. So it's just amazing when we look at these various scriptures. And verses uh, 32 through 37 or so. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Oh, we are reading this, right? Because it's going to something else I want to read. But whoever denies me before men, I also would deny him before my Father who is in heaven. This gives us incentive not to back down in our testimony. Amen? Verse 34, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I thought can't come to bring peace but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. I remember because when I was a new Christian, I mean, none of my family members were listening. And I remember, I remember I that, I think in the King James Version, a man's foe shall be the of his own household instead of enemies. And I memorized 34 through 36 because I thought, wow, this is what I'm going through right now. How did King come to think not that King to bring peace, but a sword, a man's foe shall be the of his own household, mother against, and on and on. So I was like, wow. And you know what, though? It's a reality here that when you stand up for Jesus, it, there will be some division. That's inevitable. I didn't come to read peace, but a sword. He's talking about the sword of his word, not a physical sword to kill people because we're supposed to be harmless as doves, he just said, amen. But his word is the sword of the spirit. And when you stand up for Jesus, guess what? Sometimes there'll be consternation among family members that want you to be an atheist or don't want to hear about Jesus or don't want to hear about the creator God because they don't want to believe that they're going to have to stand before God because of their sin because guess what? They've seared their consciences, many of them, right? They've, they've tried to explain away the witness of creation, which is like a deafening megaphone saying, I exist. It's like, no, no, ah, oh, Darwin, you know? They put the fish in their back of their, you know, you see that fish with Darwin in it and they're like, ah, oh, yeah, Darwin. And they're banking all that. And then you start giving them evidence like, shut up. That's why you're hated, because they don't want their conscience to be revived, that God gave them to show them that they're sins and they need God, and therefore, guess what? You become the enemy, and they, divide, they, they, they turn against you. And when I was a new Christian, shared the gospel with my family members, and at first it didn't go over so well. But you know what? I could have said, well, I really love my family, and they, not, they don't really like to hear about Jesus right now, and since I love them, I'm not going to tell them about Jesus anymore. I'm just going to love them and get along, and, and that wouldn't be love, you guys. Why? Because if they don't have Jesus, they're not going to heaven. And if I love them, I'm going to want them to go to heaven. Amen? So I'm going to want to share the gospel with them. And I did, and I did, and I did. Even though it became annoying to a few of them at times, you know. I continue to share the gospel with them. 
Because if you love your family members, you're going to want them to go to heaven. And you're going to somehow get the gospel to them, somehow share with them. Amen? If I don't love them, I'm going to say, oh, yeah, okay, you don't want to hear it? I'm not going to tell you about it. Because I love you. Oh, that's not love. And by the grace of God, by the grace of God, not my doing, one by one I was able to see all seven of us, including me first, by the grace of God, uh, came to Jesus, you know. And everyone goes here still, that's fellowship. Uh, my dad, he passed on last year, as you know, and he came, he just made it just by the skin of his teeth, man. In 92 when he died, and he just came to Jesus, not just, just not long before that, you know. So we understand that there's going to be a rejection of the gospel, Verse 37, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And like I said, it's not even really love anyway, but right here Jesus is talking about you prefer a family member and being loyal to them rather than the Lord. You're not worthy of him. You, you can't be his follower then. Your faith is a sham. Verse 38, and he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. We have to take our cross and say no to our flesh, no to self, and yes to God. Verse 39, I love how he spells it out here. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. If you find your life and you say, I just, it's me, I'm going to serve myself, I'm going to live for myself, I'm going to live for Joe. It's all about Joe. I want to lose my soul in the end. But if I lose my life, I say no. It's not about me, man. You're the creator. You're the one who made me. You, you bought me with a price on the cross. I'm going to deny myself and, and put you first. If you deny yourself, if you lose yourself, then you'll be found in him. Amen? What a beautiful, beautiful truth that is. Verse 40. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. I love that, man. We're ambassadors for Jesus. Right? And if they receive you, they receive Jesus. Verse 41. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. I love that, man. Now guess what? He doesn't only give you, not only does all power belong to him, not only is he with you always to the, even to the end of the age, not, does he not only care about you more than uh, many sparrows who he cares about when they die, not only does he know every hair in your head is intimately acquainted with you, but also guess what? All those other things I mentioned too, but guess what? He's going to reward you for doing the littlest thing. For doing the littlest things for Jesus. For giving someone a, goal, a cup of cold water where somebody thinks that's no big deal. Jesus says, guess what? You're gonna, you won't lose your reward. You get rewarded in heaven for that. So guess what? Just keep serving Jesus every day. You're going to be racking up rewards in heaven. Amen? That right there should be incentive to want to carry on. Amen? To want to be a witness. To want to share with people. Man, we should be passing out cold water like crazy. Amen? So these are just amazing truths. Now, go to John. John chapter 18. And go ahead and pick it up at verse 18. Oh, John 15, I'm sorry. John 15, verse 18. Pretty heavy verses here. Jesus says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because we're not of the world, guys, because of, this, this, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, that's the, he's the master, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours. Wow, it's just heavy, man. Heavy stuff, verse 21. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. And in chapter 16, Verse 1, these things I've spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling or falling. He doesn't want us to fall away. He wants to know that, guess what, there will be persecution. Some of you will even be killed, and many of them were, right? They will make you outcasts, verse 2, from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is what? Offering service to God. There will be people under the Antichrist, because the Antichrist is going to sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, going to be killing Christians, and people are going to think they're serving God. They'll be that deceived. They're going to think the Antichrist is God. And this is very, very important. You know, Tacitus, he was a first century Roman historian. Christians were being killed, man. 
under different waves of persecution that came under Roman emperors. And Tacitus spoke of the people, the Christians, and how uh, they were hated for their crimes. They were hated for their crimes, he says. What? The Christians were hated? Well, guess what Jesus said just before this? In the first century, he said it, that you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. And he says, they were hated for their crimes, whom the mob calls Christians. There's been a lot of mobs around lately, right? The mob called Christians. Suetonius has spoken of a race of men who belong to a new and evil superstition. Nero blamed the Christians, the emperor of Rome, and burned them. I mean, he put them up in his garden and pitched oil on them and burned them and said, you are the light of the world, you'll be light of my garden. And guess what? Nero was a very, very wicked man, okay? I don't have time to elucidate all the wicked things this guy would do, but Rome was falling apart at that time and he blamed it on the Christians. The fires of Rome, oh, it's the Christians. He didn't say they said them, nobody would believe that, but it's because they're not worshiping our gods. The Christians were called atheists, believe it or not, because they weren't believing in the pagan gods. And it's the Christians' fault. And he started having them killed and beheaded. And we believe Paul, the Apostle Paul, was beheaded by Nero. In Tacitus' Annals, he writes, It is an odd fact that the world soon justified its hostility to them, talking about Christians, by imputing to them the initiative of, in hatred. The earliest extent reference to Christians in pagan literature, guys, charges them with hatred of the human race. I was just quoting F.F. Bruce there. Now, it's interesting because Christians were hated big time. And that's how it will be in the end. Can you, can you not see it coming, guys? Guess what? We as Christians believe there's a creator. We believe, that we believe not in 100 plus sexes or 37 some sexes, depending on what your, you know, your, account, your social media account says they are. We believe in two sexes, male and female. We believe God designed them and they're designed, they fit perfectly and when they fit perfectly, they bring forth babies. Pretty obvious to us, right? And we read the scripture. Made them in his image. Male and female made he them. Guess what? You'll be hated for that belief. You'll be hated for just believing God's word. How do I know that? Well, guess what? What is considered racism today, and it is racism, if you hate people of a different color, you got a problem. You need to repent and fall before Jesus, right? But guess what? You believing that God created two sexes, and those two sexes are meant to have babies together, and men and men aren't to be together, guess what? You'll be considered racist pretty soon. They've already been floating that idea for years. It just hasn't totally taken over the society. I know that because in the last days, I believe that because it says it'll be like the days of Lot, Jesus said. In the days of Lot, guess what was doing? He was being surrounded in his house by homosexuals and they were becoming physically violent with him and he was telling them to stop what they were doing and they said, who are you to judge us? So Lot was considered judgmental. Right now, Christians are considered judgmental. And the odd thing is, we're gonna be the ones that are considered the haters because we disagree with certain behavior. Even though we preach Jesus and we preach love and we, we say in love, hey, this is just not the way that God, God designed it. You're a racist. That's going to come down the pike, guys. And th these, you're going to start seeing Christian churches burned in the future. Not saying when. I don't know when. I'm just saying you need to brace yourself. You need to count the cost. You need to say this life's a vapor. I know I'm only here for a short time. I'll be loyal to Christ no matter what happens. Amen. I'm trying to prepare you for these times. And I've talked about these kinds of things for years. Now people are starting to wake up and listen more. Whoa, man, Joe, you were saying these things are going to happen. Not because I'm so smart. Because I got Jesus, I have his word, and said it was coming. He said it was coming, amen? amen? Praise God, there's millions and millions and millions of Christians that love Jesus all over the world right now. Just like Jesus said, amen? And you should be happy and rejoice that you're one of them, amen? amen. Jesus said, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven, your reward in heaven is great. Now, when God says your reward in heaven is great, it's great. Amen? For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow. I just, the scriptures are so clear. And I want to encourage you because I don't have time to go through certain, certain passages I wanted to go through. And I don't want to make this a three-part message, so I'm not going to keep preaching on what I have left. You know, I'll find place for this somewhere else in another time. But I just want to encourage you guys to remain faithful to Jesus and shine the, good, shine the gospel. And you have, he's with you, amen. And I'm not going to, you know, restate all the different things we went through. But I want to encourage you. 
Did God speak to your heart in certain ways tonight? Did he challenge you at all? Amen. Are we going to try to be greater lights? Are we going to do it in our own power or his power? Are we just going to go out and just do it? Or are we going to say, Lord, empower me, use me, bring people into my path? Amen. And are we going to try to be wise as serpents? Or are we just going to go in roughshod and just not think about it? No, we've got to pray about it. Oh, but what if I don't know what to say? Jesus says, what will happen? Holy Spirit will give you words, amen. Moses, like, Moses was the meekest man on earth, man. He was humble. He was, I, I can't speak. God said, I'll be with your mouth, Moses. The Lord will be with your mouth. He just wants willing vessels, amen. Amen? What an awesome God we have, amen. Praise the Lord. Travis, will you end in prayer, bro? Nice and loud? Praise God. We're, Travis is going to pray. Praise you, Lord God.